The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. You kidding me? Is this really happening? The Royals have a magic number of three for clinching a postseason berth. And there's still five games to go. It is happening. And that makes me, Devo, very happy. And hopefully you as well as you join us here on another edition of The Dish on Clubhouse Conversation. And who saw this coming? After Friday night's drubbing against the Tigers, after Saturday's heartbreaking loss and borderline very questionable managing by Ned Yost. We'll be positive here since Ned's about to set the Royals record tomorrow for games managed. More on that later. So we'll stay positive and not be too harsh. But after those two games on Friday and Saturday, who saw the Royals all of a sudden having a good chance of clinching on Thursday in Chicago or Friday at the latest? You would expect Thursday or Friday at the latest. That makes me happy. I will be there in Chicago for the Royals, hopefully to see a clinch and then hopefully to see at the worst, you know, the top wild card earned or perhaps a division crown for the Royals, which I thought there was no chance on Saturday. I even conceded it Saturday, basically. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand how this season is happening, but, you know, I'm having so much fun right now, at least right now. I mean, there's been a probably a two- or three-week portion of the season where I was pretty miserable, to be completely honest with you. And But I guess this is what, you know, playoff baseball is like. I mean, but who saw the Royals recovering so quickly? And then also, who saw the Seattle Mariners completely going into the tubes? I mean, I thought... If you would have asked me Sunday, I would have thought the Royals would clinch Friday or Saturday at the earliest. Because who saw Seattle? I mean, especially tonight you go out there with, well, first Iwakuma struggles, and you have Rowenis Elias go down with an injury. Chris Young gets taken out of the rotation. And you think that Felix Fernandez going tonight, granted it was against R.A. Dickey, but you had to think with Fernandez going for the Cy Young, you know, in the middle of a, of a, of a playoff race, you, ha- you had to think he'd give his team a good chance to win. But instead he had probably the second worst outing of his entire career. Meanwhile, the Royals are starting to hit again all of a sudden. They have Danny Duffy back to study the rotation. I don't know. I, I, I don't want to make any more predictions, but I'm just going to say this is a lot of fun, and things are shaping up pretty nicely the next five. We'll talk about that later. But let's start with Ventura tonight. Seven shutout innings out of Jordano, allowing four hits and four walks, so a nice whip there, only eight base runners in seven innings. He struck out six. Wasn't thrilled with him coming out for the seventh inning. Right around 100 pitches. You know, it was at, what, 97 after 6, I believe it was. But you have a 7 nothing lead. Okay, maybe maybe bring him back out. But once one guy got on base, I mean, Ned let him go a season-high 117 pitches. I was not real crazy about 117 pitches out of Ventura, considering you're probably going to hopefully need him for, what, two to four more starts or at least a decent amount out of the bullpen in the playoffs. Either way, uh, he's got to be in the playoff rotation, obviously. At this point, Vargas and Guthrie are the two guys that you would put out if you went to a three-man rotation. So the only thing I can think of is that Ned didn't want to mess around tonight. You've got a 7 nothing lead. He's seen how many times this year have we seen the Royals get like a six-run lead or a five-run lead going into the eighth and ninth and bring in somebody at the very end of the bullpen who gives up like three and they have to get their guys up anyway. So maybe he was just trying to only get two out of the bullpen. And the other thing I can think of is maybe Ned realizes that most likely Sunday is a meaningless game for the Royals. So there's a good chance Ventura's last start will be skipped. Because you could see him starting potentially game one of the playoffs. Shields will start in either the game in Detroit on Monday if there's a tiebreaker or the, the, the wild card game, obviously. Maybe Ventura then would be moved into that 
second role with Duffy third and then Vargas if you throw him fourth. Maybe that's how the playoff. I, I would assume that's how they would do it based on how it stacks up now. It goes Shields, Ventura, Duffy, and Vargas. I don't know. That would be my guess. But that's the only thing I can think of. Maybe you know he was thinking in the back of his mind that Sunday is going to be a Liam Hendricks day which is a good chance of that. Now, hopefully that's not the case because if, if, basically if Sunday is a real meaningful game for the Royals, most likely that means they're going for the division crown because I expect Oakland, who's currently down 2 nothing right now, I expect Oakland to lose two or three more games. So if the Royals go 4-1, and one, they should have no trouble wrapping up that first wild card. And, you know, if, if they're going into Sunday and it's a meaningful game, there's a pretty damn good chance they're going for the AL Central. So, again, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We'll talk more about the matchups. But that was kind of my thought process and maybe why he went with Ventura so long. But I don't love the 117 pitches in a 7 nothing game. I mean, you can throw Bueno out there to get help you get 6-9 to nine outs. You can throw a Crow if you have to in a 7-run lead. Even if you don't want to throw a Crow, you've got Bueno, solid option. Downs against lefties is solid. Frazier is solid. Uh, you know, you go on and on. So I wasn't real thrilled about that. Anyways, that's just a nitpicky thing there. We'll see how he does in his next start, or if he's skipped, then maybe it makes more sense. Scott Downs, Jason Frazier, impressive innings. There was an error by Mike Moustakis mixed in that we'll talk about here in a little bit that was not impressive. But offensively, let's get to the lineup tonight. Six doubles for the Royals. First time since 2011 they've done that. The most extra base hits all year double-wise for the Royals. Six in one game for the first time this year. Good to see that. And I, and I don't, you know, I look at the box score every night for God knows how many years now. It's been a long time. I can't tell you the exact last time, but you see the three through seven hitters all get two hits three, four, five, six, seven. Every single guy had exactly two hits tonight. Kane, Hosmer, Butler, Gordon, Perez, all two hits apiece. Now, in the case of Kane, he's been hitting. He's hitting 300 right now, but hitting the last week or so, 10 days, getting back to where he was after a pretty miserable slump. But Hosmer, Butler, Gordon, Perez have not been hitting. So if, now big if, Butler, since getting that hit against Detroit and his first A-B on Sunday seems to all of a sudden turn the corner, granted sample size, but if, big F, if Hosmer, Butler, Gordon, Perez, if two or three of those four guys can keep this going, wow, this could get really fun. Tonight's starters, only Moose did not reach base at all out of all the starters. His sixth error in the last two weeks, he now has 19 on the season. Way too many for a guy that can't hit. You can't have 20, 21, 22 errors out of your third baseman who's not hitting worth a lick. And it's another story for another day, but you know it's hard to see how you can go into 2015 with Mike Moustakas as your third baseman, in my opinion. And especially if Dayton Moore is not here, if he ends up taking the Braves job, which I'm not sure he's going to be offered that now. I think he'll be back, but... Again, another topic for another day, but just something to think about there. The Royals did walk three times tonight. Of course, two of them were intentional, so one walk again. No shocker there. Just a lot to love tonight. I mean, seriously, great pitching. I mean, how doesn't this team just feel night and day better just knowing that Danny Duffy's back in the rotation? Little doubt that the Royals would have a solid one or two game lead over Detroit right now had Duffy not missed the three stars. Now, granted, Detroit could say the same thing about Anibal Sanchez. I get that, but they also probably would not have acquired David Price. Although then they're probably stronger because Smiley has been pretty much just as good as Price recently, and they lost Austin Jackson. Anyway, I digress. Point being, it's too bad that Danny Duffy missed some of his starts. But, I mean, having Ventura and Duffy back in there just steadies the hell out of that rotation. Jeremy Guthrie's really been pretty good. Last couple series, he was been kind of a stopper. He got the only win against Boston in that series when he started, the only win against Detroit when he started. So for all the unfound 
frustration towards Guthrie. I, I, I mean, for what he is, a 4-5, he's damn good. He gives you innings. Go through the American League and see how many number five starters give you 200 innings, which he will do with five innings this Sunday or Friday, sorry, when he pitches against the White Sox. ERA in the low fours, you know, wins and losses are overrated, but a guy that gets you 12 to 14 wins a year with 200 innings, you know, and he's he's pitched some big games this year for the Royals. Second good outing against Detroit. So my point being, the point of bringing up Guthrie is just he's considered the weak link in this rotation, or Jason Vargas, that's just how good this rotation is with Shields, Duffy, and Ventura at the top. A damn good rotation. Having Duffy back in really steadies it. Nice the Royals were able to give their key cogs, their four key cogs now, with Finnegan being their fourth, along with Davis, Herrera, and Holland, able to give them a night off, which is good. You should be able to get three more appearances out of each of them, maybe four of the next five games. So that bodes well for the Royals. Congratulations to Ned Yost, as we mentioned earlier. Tomorrow, somehow, will be his 771st game as Royals manager. Can you believe that? 771. But even the more unbelievable thing is that that'll set the record for most games managed by a Royals skipper. Who would have? I mean, I, I never would have believed that. I, I saw that sat about three months ago that he was about to do that this year. In a million years, I wouldn't have imagined Ned Yost was the longest tenured Royals manager. Would you? But he is, as of tomorrow. So there you go. Congrats to Ned. Hopefully number 771 will be a good one because the Royals are really down to the nitty-gritty. Five games to go, a game back of Detroit as we write this, or not we write this, we're talking. As we record this, it looks like Oakland has a decent chance of losing. The Royals could be tied for that top wild card. So the stakes couldn't be any bigger right now for the Royals. Jason Vargas and Trevor Bauer tomorrow. To me, it's a coin toss game just based on recent trends. Both Bauer and Vargas had the possibility to be really good. Both of them also blow up from time to time. To me, it's kind of a coin toss game also because of the fact that Cleveland has not been hitting in this series. One run in two games against a pretty good lineup. Now, maybe they've just gone kind of cold and they're tired and they'll pack it up now since they, unless they went out and the Royals and Mariners lose out, they have no chance of the playoffs. So they're out. So, you know, and hopefully not, you know, that big 9,000 fan base they'll have there tomorrow night probably is not going to help them either. They had 10,400 last night. They did, they did crack the 11,000 mark tonight. So congrats to Cleveland. Maybe they had a T-shirt Tuesday tonight to get that. That attendance up to 11,000. That's pretty pathetic. That's, that's a bigger city than Kansas City by quite a bit. And they're still on the on the very edge of the playoff race, and they get ten and 11,000 against, yeah, anyway, whatever. I guess I, I shouldn't talk too much because the Royals haven't exactly lit the world on fire with attendance. But I, I've done pretty solid this year, best attendance year since 91. Now, tomorrow to me is the biggest day of the five days left in this 2014 regular season. I say that. For two reasons. Number one, well, number one, let's start in chronological order. 12 o'clock KC time, 12 o'clock Central time tomorrow. Justin Verlander and Chris Sale go toe-to-toe in the rubber game of the White Sox and Tigers. To me, the Twins will get the Tigers one game this weekend. I believe the Twins will get one of the four. And if the Royals are going to have a realistic chance of getting this division, they're going to need Detroit to lose twice. Detroit loses twice, the Royals win out, while the Royals win the AL Central. Detroit loses twice, the Royals lose once, they end up in a tie, and they play a tiebreaker Monday at Comerica Park. I think that's the most likely way the Royals are going to win this division. I don't see the Royals winning this outright necessarily. It's possible. I mean, it's possible the Twins could split with them, and they could lose to Chris Sale tomorrow. But most likely, it's going to take Monday if the Royals end up winning the AL Central, which, of course, brings you to another quote-unquote quandary of, I mean, obviously you have to pitch Shields on Monday, right? 
you can almost hold them back for the wild card, but that'd be stupid because you're you know you win that game against Detroit and you automatically make the ALDS. You've already advanced, which is the, the point of the wild card. So another topic for another day. Interesting scenario though, what you would do in that situation, and I I still think Venturi would be your starter for the second time after Shields did away, no matter the scenario. But to me, like I said, if the if the Tigers win tomorrow, then the Royals have to win out. Because I think Detroit's only going to lose once to the Twins. So to me, tomorrow is kind of the toss-up game that could make or break the Royals getting the AL Central. A loss tomorrow by the White Sox, or sorry, by the by the Tigers, and one more with the Twins. Well, then the Royals have one game they can lose still. And I think it's pretty likely the Royals can finish this 4-1. and one. I really do, if they get through tomorrow. So tomorrow, the second part of the equation, why I call tomorrow the most important is I think tomorrow is the most favorable matchup for the Royals to possibly lose of the the five games left. Just because I love no Chris Sale in Chicago, and you go with Shields, Guthrie, Duffy, and and Ventura. I mean, the Royals will have the pitching edge for sure in three of the four, if not all four, with no Sale. And those guys go on. They have a better bullpen. They have a lot more to play for. There'll be a lot of blue in the stands. I mean, I just feel like the, I, I really, honest to God, feel like the Royals will get three out of four in Chicago. Just like I believe that the that the, uh, the Tigers will get three out of four. So that's why I think tomorrow is the key game overall for the Royals as well, because they've got to win that game tomorrow realistically if they're going to have a shot to catch Detroit. So Detroit loses two more times, the Royals can lose once. Detroit wins out, or sorry, loses one more time, the Royals have to win out. There you go. In a nutshell, the way I look at. The importance about tomorrow. So we'll know by the time the Royals, you know, throw that first pitch at 6.05 when Trevor Brower lets that go out of his right hand. We'll know if the Royals are a half game back or a game and a half of Detroit. So it'll be an exciting day tomorrow, Royals fans. I'm telling you, if we get through tomorrow tied, if this time tomorrow night we're talking about a division tie, and it's a big if, two things have to happen. That's a big if. I'm acknowledging that. But if we do get to that point, and it's not out of the realm of possibility, probably a 35 to 40% chance it happens that both things happen. If that does happen and it's tied with four to go, I really like the Royals' odds in that scenario. The Twins are tougher for the for the Tigers, I feel like, than the White Sox will be for the Royals. The Royals have dominated the White Sox this year, too. No sale, those great matchups, the bullpen. The Tigers are reeling. They left David Price in there tonight in the ninth inning to give up five hits and tie it before they went to Joe Nathan. That's how they have no confidence in their bullpen. Their bullpen is fried. So if the Twins keep those games close, and I haven't looked at the matchups, but I'm assuming they'll get Gibson and also, um, uh, what's his bucket? Phil Hughes in there as well. So Anyway, we'll talk to you again tomorrow night on Clubhouse Conversation. Tomorrow will be the last regular season edition as I will be up there in Chicago. will not be able to bring you the dish Thursday through Sunday. I will be tweeting plenty at Royals Clubhouse. will not be a dish Thursday through Sunday. But you will have a dish for the entire postseason. And the Royals appear a near lock to make it as their percentage is now near about 89% of making the postseason at this point. So I, I have no problem saying the Royals are going to make the postseason at this point. I'm that confident right now, and I feel that good. So there will be dishes again in the postseason, but tomorrow will be the last regular season edition here on Clubhouse Conversation. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night. Go Royals.